Hello and welcome to Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson, Chief Executive of Behavioral Health for Providence, Oregon, and Chief Clinical Officer for Work To Be Well. So for today's episode, we're going to ask the critical question, does your family stress you out? Okay, we know all our families stress us out, but I want to hear from three of the members of our National Student Advisory Council for Work To Be Well about how their family stressed them out and what advice do they have for dealing with that and what stories can they tell, you know, maybe not on their family, wink, wink, but really how we deal with family stress and what we can do differently and maybe how we can change those conversations. As a reminder, the information provided during this podcast is for educational purposes only. It is not intended, nor is it implied to be a substitute for professional medical advice. I am so excited to get going today. Let's get started by having each of you introduce yourself, where you're from, and I don't know if we want to dive right in, but what stresses you out? Who wants to kick us off today? I would love to get us started. Thank you, Dr. Robin. Great introduction. And, you know, I can't lie. Family does stress me out. Um, I'm Charlie. I am from Connecticut. And as mentioned, I'm a member of the National Student Advisory Council. I am a senior in high school who gets stressed out by a lot of things, including my family. I'll back you up right there. My name is Nicole and I am a junior in high school from California. And yeah, me too. My family has done a lot of things to stress me out. Not that I've not done anything to stress them out either. Um, My name is Georgia. I'm from Oregon. I'm also on the National Student Advisory Council. Um, And I would also agree, my family stresses me out and school, a lot of school stress. Well, you know, one of my favorite things that family does, and sometimes it's our immediate family, sometimes it's those family that we get to see at different holiday gatherings, but how do you react when you're dealing with family members who might have those criticisms about you and and the choices you're making and the path you're taking, especially when you're thinking about where you're going to go from here? Anybody got those? Well, I think for me, I just try to take everything with a grain of salt. I mean... Sometimes, you know, when certain people maybe don't think that a major would fit right for you, uh, not, not that I know what that's like, but, you know, certain people say, what are you going to do with that? How are you going to make money with that? Um, I think that just sticking to my guns is really important and not being afraid to throw it right back at them a little bit. I have to totally agree with that. And honestly, I'm just a junior and I'm already getting questions on what I'm going to major in in college, what I plan my career is going to be. And a lot of times our family reunions are just a banter session, just bringing out all of my insecurities. Sometimes I just have to sit there and listen to it. But always, like Charlie said, I'll take it with a grain of salt and I'll just like sit back and say, you know what, I'll go and cry about it later, but it's okay. For now, we'll just get through it. Oh my gosh, they really love targeting the insecurities. Georgia, I can't wait to hear what you had to say, but I just had to pop in with that comment from Nicole. Like, I know that I don't have a boyfriend. You don't have to bring it up again. Yeah, I totally agree with sticking to what you know, like what Charlie said. I think that really helps. Like if, like my family's are, well, well, I'm just going to say it, but my family is very... They like to call things out about people, which sometimes is interesting to watch. But when it's on me, it's a little, 
it's a little hurtful, but just sticking to what I know and staying my ground helps, at least for me personally. And I don't know about everybody else, but that helps for me. Well, this isn't anything new because when I went to college uh, a few years ago uh, and I wanted to go and get my master's degree after college and and mind you, I'm a licensed clinical psychologist now, but back when I wanted to get my initial master's degree, I wanted to get an MBA. I wanted a master's in business administration. I thought that would be great. And my mother looked at me and said, no child of mine will go to business school because that is not how we did it in our family. You work in social services. That is the rule. So it's nothing new. Trust me. It it just might have shifted, uh, might have shifted a little bit. Maybe it's more acceptable to get an MBA these days. I mean, I don't know, but all I'll tell you is when I broke the news to my parents that I was thinking about um, doing a political science minor, you would think that I confessed to like murder. I mean, I, I'm a woman in STEM. I'm a proud woman in STEM. I'm passionate about things like mental health, but I wanted to be a computer science major. I also really like government. So I'm thinking poli-sci. My family was not thinking poli-sci. Even like I broke the very unfortunate news again that I was thinking about doing tennis this year instead of track, which I've been doing for all the past three years of high school. And my parents actually laughed at me. So, I mean, just out of curiosity, um, do any of you guys like have similar experiences with that, with things that, you know, maybe you're not good at that your family is not afraid to call you out on? I want to add two things really quick here, Charlie. I also joined the tennis team this year, and then my parents were shocked because I am like one of those fully focused on studies people. So then I get to my junior year of high school, I'm like, let me be, aside from being an academic weapon, let's also be a tennis weapon. So then I'm joining tennis and leaving a trail of shocked faces in my wake. But also, Dr. Robinson, I wanted to say that I was kind of in like the same predicament because I was like, business sounds really interesting to me but in my family there's like it's the stereotype you either become a doctor lawyer engineer so I mean it's the holy trinity like I just have to go to one of them but I mean leaning towards one or the other we'll see how it goes honestly Nicole follow your heart and your racket my parents broke the news to me that um the tennis team makes cuts and for someone who's not very good at sports or like hitting balls around or not running in circles, you know, cuts aren't a great thing for me, but it's okay. Watch me make the tennis team. Doesn't help that my best friend is the one making the cuts. (laughs) You know, I had a similar experience. Um, I joined student council a couple years ago and I was a really quiet kid for a while. So my parents were kind of like, okay, have fun with that. And they didn't super love that idea. And then this past summer, I quit my job. That didn't go over too well. But, (laughs) you know, at least I'm not working 20 hours a week. So they just, it's a lot of like little like comments here and there that's like, oh, well, if you had a job, you wouldn't have to deal with that. Yeah, I'm aware. I'm very much aware. (laughs) No, it's so interesting that you mentioned that, Georgia, because I feel like it's always the students who are like really dedicated, whose parents can get a little bit mad about some crazy things. Like, I know you, Georgia. I know that you're an academic weapon and you too, Nicole. And it's just kind of crazy how um, parents like still find a way to critique us on silly things, even when you're passionate about them. 
And for me, like my passion for everything that I do is really what keeps me going when those criticisms get a little bit crazy. Because like I had my mechanical engineering phase where I was really into robotics and I was pretty sure that I wanted to be a mechanical engineer. And who would think that your parents would criticize you for wanting to be an engineer? But my father found a way and like we worked through it. It's all good. But I just think that being passionate about that really kept me going, even when those critiques were like ugh, hard to deal with. I think both Charlie and Georgia have said some great points, like being passionate and like choosing to follow your own path. Because what I realized was sometimes not really listening to our family can actually make good decisions. Like I had a similar situation with student council. This was like middle school, high school, like the brink between that. And my parents are like, you know, focus on your studies, become that academic weapon we raised you to be. Right. But I was like, leadership seems interesting. So like I decided to join and I was like this introverted kid. Like in like the school lunches, you would see me reading like Percy Jackson in the sixth grade lunch table. So like I was absolutely the opposite of like a stereotypical leadership kid. But because like I just let these family matters be set aside, like I was able to just like embody my passion. And so that's why leadership love my life. So all three of us have parents who weren't too happy to see us joining student council. <laughs> I think that's a little bit of a threat in this group. I work to do well. <laughs> I love this because, you know, it's like most parents are, are really into the idea of you're going to join student council, you're going to do all the things, you're going to be part of student government. But there's also a lot of parents who don't understand what student government is. And maybe for them in their generation, that just wasn't cool. And it wasn't a thing that they did. So I think there's, I you know, as a recent parent myself, you know, my kids are, are 21 and 23 now, but uh, I can say that uh, the... I am cringing because I can see myself in some of these comments. I am trying really, really hard to have a positive mental attitude. My son is very passionate and wants to study zoology. And I sit back and go, okay, don't know what you're going to do with that, but it's going to be great, right? So uh, I'll, I'll take that mechanical engineering every day. But I'm curious, do you? how do you deal with it when you get that pressure from your family? Do you ever succumb and make a decision because it's what they want you to do? Yes, 100%. I like as much as I would like to say that I stand my ground every single time I do not. Because a lot of the time, like as much as I don't want to admit it, my parents are right about things. And they like if I tell them that I want to join the track team, they're like, No, you don't. Don't do that. And I didn't. And I'm I'm doing great now. But they're my parents are right about things and I need to accept that because sometimes it does save me like if I still had my job I would have more money than I do now like they're right a lot of the time yeah I mean honestly props to you Dr. Robin for hanging in there with interesting choices of major and props to you Georgia for uh following your parents guts sometimes because I hate to admit it too. I'm like the most stubborn person that you'll ever meet. But I also sometimes have to admit when my parents are right. Sometimes they're really far off base though. Like they know me better than anyone. But for example, I told my dad that I was thinking about, you know, skipping out on indoor track this year. I'm going to do outdoor tennis. But I'm still, you know, I'm thinking about it. And 
this man said that I was just being lazy and that's why I didn't want to do it. And I swear, guys, I'm really not a lazy person. I try not to be. I do a lot of stuff. But, you know, it did make me evaluate maybe my intentions for not doing indoor track and the areas that I could cut down on to make that happen and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, for me, kind of managing that stress is just about sticking to my convictions, yeah, but also admitting when my parents are right has kind of made our relationship a lot better because, you know, trust is a two-way street. So they know that I'll hear them out and that helps them hear me out more. I definitely want to second that because I was raised in a household where like the anthem was like, you know, the song Mother Knows Best from like Rapunzel and it's like Mother Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of like the theme that was going on all throughout childhood. And I was just raised knowing like whatever my mother says is right. So I guess I entered kind of like a rebellious era when I decided to join leadership. But I think um, another thing that came up with like always like parents knowing best is also I didn't really have a place to vent to. I was always constantly like, oh, I got to listen to my parents. I always got to do what they tell me to. And so I think that kind of like made me a sort of people pleaser mindset in a way. But like, I think I've been like able to like grow out of that slowly. So it's just taking in the balance between like parenting and also childhooding yeah I mean Nicole nothing says teenage rebellion like joining student government that's I've been saying that for years but I definitely agree with you I mean I my dad always tell like has a whole list of stories that he tells and life experiences that he's had that justify every single point that you want to make and I'm at a point now where I'm like oh is that is that so have you never mentioned that before I feel like it's my first time hearing this to like every single story or anecdote that he might have so you know I'm with you I feel your pain so I I have a question and and uh it comes to this sacred space of your social media okay so you're all of an age where you have social media we know you have social media Do you have rules around what your family can comment on or not comment on? I, so a lot of my family is not on social media and I am eternally grateful for that because sometimes I just, they don't really need to see everything I post, but I, I just kind of let my parents and my grandma just kind of see everything and Sometimes I get a little backlash for that. And, you know, personally, I have a lot of rules on social media due to like being on the cheer team or being on student council. Like there's a lot of things I can't post. So I don't really run into this problem a lot that like my parents don't like what I post. But sometimes I'll post a picture and my shirt's a little low and they're like, whoa, whoa, what is this? Like, (laughs) like sometimes it's just like I'm being a kid and they're like, I don't know what I'm like, I don't know what I'm going for, but they just think I ruined the world. No. Okay. Actually, my family serves as a great way to manage my digital footprint because I have to think everything I post, I think to myself, is this the side of me that I want my grandma to see? And um, that helps keep me in check on social media a little bit. So, I mean, uh, I also live in a family where my aunt it's actually a little bit of a TikTok star. She has a TikTok mom page that has like half a million followers. So she kind of bears the brunt of the backlash on the social media end from the, oh, does she know that you can't make a career out of that? Uh, that whole side of the family. So I feel her pain there. But luckily, 
my family kind of restricted my social media pretty heavily until when I was almost in high school. So now that I had that restriction, they trust me a lot more to like behave responsibly on social media. I think it's actually really funny because I'm on like the opposite end of the spectrum. Like no one in my family has social media. I'm the only one with Instagram. So like the main thing is it's like I do definitely watch what I post and like make sure it's like school appropriate, leadership appropriate, and overall just club appropriate. But a lot of it is also not only just posting, but the usage of social media, like the downward spirals of scroll scrolling through hours of like reels, YouTube, all of that. Like even my family succumbs to YouTube sometimes. So it's like say into control making sure like we're checking up on each other and like closing off electronics after a certain period of time oh yeah the no phones at the dinner table rule oh, gets yeah. a little bit crazy yep. Yep. um <laughs> <laughs> like personally my mom has gotten really into tiktok lately and i know she's gonna listen to it and i love that she's gonna hear me say this but she just sends me tiktoks all the time and you know <laughs> I do appreciate it. Sometimes I'm like, that's really funny. But sometimes I just don't know how to respond. I just think it's funny to see, like, we've been raised in a generation where social media is how you communicate with people. And like our parents aren't, and they're kind of learning how to use it with us. And I think it's just interesting sometimes to see how they look at social media and like how to use it versus how we see it. That's actually so interesting that you mentioned that, Georgia, because I feel like a lot of the conflict for me with my family, like, comes from a genuine place of just, like, not coming from the same generation and the communication issues that come with that. So I was just wondering if you guys had any experiences where, like, that became an issue. I just want to pop in there, Charlie. Um, I had to give a 10-minute presentation to my parents as to why Taylor Swift is like one of the icons in the music industry and how she rose to power, which ended in us listening to All Too Well and then watching the documentary. So I would say I'm a very successful debater. <laughs> oh my gosh, imagine me taking my mom to the Eras tour. She loved it. She loves Taylor now. As she should. I think, like, I'm going to hop in with what you said about, like, our parents and, like, the generational differences. So my dad was a psychology major in college and I want to major in psychology. And last year I took AP psych. So I asked him for help and I was like, I don't understand this. Like, can you teach me? And he was like, no, I don't get it. And I was like, oh, what? Like, <laughs> and it, like, it just kind of showed me how like it, everything has changed so much in the past, like 10, 20 years that like, even like, I'm sure all of us have had this experience where we ask our parents for help with our math homework at the dinner table. And then two hours later, we're crying. Everybody's yelling. Like it's because even math has changed. Like everything has just changed so much. And watching our parents, like our parents are going through this for the first time too. And I feel like that's an important thing to remember that like, they don't know how to do everything and that's okay. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I love that quote where it's like, oh, be gentle with yourself because everyone is living the same, the is living this day for the first time. And like, especially when I'm dealing with my parents, I just have to think about, you know, the ways that their parents may be messed up and their parents criticized them that led them to a place where they're just trying to do better. And I think that giving each other grace and acknowledging that, you know, everyone has their own stuff that they've gone through helps me manage things when my parents are getting a little punchy with me. Okay. I'm going to bear this in mind because sometimes uh, I can get, I, I, I feel you because uh, 
my 95 year old mother not only comments on on everything of mine on social but also on all of these people that i know that i've never met uh that she's never met that she doesn't know who they are but for some people she's like their biggest fan and it's her hobby i mean when you're 95 years old it's good the fact that she can manage social media like that i think is pretty impressive to be honest with you uh and then she figured out where the like button is that also you know <laughs> good on her she's making people feel happy one day at a time so <laughs> i was just gonna say just wait till she finds out the share button because she's gonna be sending you reels every day oh, oh my yes. grandma doesn't even know how to use her phone so good for her let's let, let's let's not teach her that that would not be a skill i would like her to have i am curious though sometimes we have to bring up things with our family that are uncomfortable like i don't know I can think of a number of uncomfortable conversations I've had with my kids over the years. What are some strategies that you've used to have those kind of more difficult conversations where you're the one who has to bring up something uncomfortable with your parents? Yeah, I think personally, I know this probably isn't the most healthy way to do it, but I like to catch my parents at a good time. Even if in some situations I got rear-ended um, a couple months ago, and I didn't want to tell my parents because, like, that's not exactly something I know how to bring up. So I was like, let's, I just had to see when my parents were, like, laughing or they were, like, in a good mood because, like, if my parents are already in a bad mood, I'm going to get grounded for the rest of my life. Like, I, that's it. That's just how my family works. And, like, I caught them at a good time and I was like, hey, guys. I know you love me, but um, I got rear-ended and it was fine. Like in the end, it was fine. It was just dealing with these uncomfortable conversations. I find it's helpful to catch my parents at a good time where they aren't mad at something that like I've already done or like my brother's done because sometimes the stuff that he does goes back on me. That's a whole nother conversation, but yeah. <laughs> I no, to... yeah. Sorry, Nicole. I mean, I just needed to second Georgia there because I think that for me, if you're catching them at a good time, then that's just going to make things a whole lot easier. And I mean, there's definitely a balance to be struck there. Don't be like me and tell your parents that you need to book a hotel for a robotics competition out of state a week before that robotics competition because you were too nervous to tell them about it. Not that I'm speaking from experience, but you know, it's just a thought to bear in mind. But yeah, just in general, I mean, if I'm going to talk to my parents about something that I know they might not be too happy about, I don't think that it hurts anyone to start them when they're in a good mood. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Cause I do speech in a lot of speech competitions. If I want to enter, my parents have to judge and I hate to break it to them, but they have to spend like their entire weekend just sitting in a room, listening to people speak. So what I realized is catching them at a good time and also not on an empty stomach. Like we'll sit at the dinner table and I'll just casually sneak it into the conversation and somehow it just goes over really nicely, especially if they're enjoying a good dinner. So sometimes it's not the actual situation. It's what you provide as like an environmental comfort in a way that definitely helps yeah being hangry doesn't help any conversations go over well yeah I 100% agree I think the dinner table is a great place to have uncomfortable conversations like I it really is and like I it might not sound like it but like once my family has a full stomach the football game's on then I find the 
words just kind of fall out of my mouth at that point. And at the dinner table, everyone is kind of trapped there. I mean, if you're going to have a conversation where your parents are going to get up and get, and leave the dinner table, then that conversation probably wasn't going to go over well, regardless of where we of where you were. So, I mean, being at the dinner table, definitely a good place. It's a good way to have the family all together. Well, I just love Georgia's story about uh, the rear ending, because I do remember the first time my daughter backed into a sign and scraped the, the side of my husband's car. And yeah, you, you can't hide stuff like that. It, it, it kind of is right there. And yeah, nothing you can do about it. At least you were okay. At least nobody was hurt in the commission of said damage to my car. So when you think about those healthy relationships and all of these different pieces of navigation, what kind of boundaries do you set with your family, especially as you're getting more and more autonomous, being able to drive? Do you have boundaries that you've had to set with your family? Yeah, I 100% have had to set boundaries with my family. Like my car and my room are my safe space. Like that is where I am. I feel the most comfortable. Like I have very few people who are allowed into my room or who are allowed to drive my car. I have those kind of boundaries, like physical boundaries, because I'm a person who's very focused on like my safe space, I guess. And like when my entire family comes into my room and I've had a rough day, I'm like, nope, nope, I'm setting a boundary. Please leave. Like, <laughs> And I think that's important to keep a healthy relationship because if but I let my parents in my room all the time and they were in here all the time, I would never get anything done. And I would like, we would just have a frustrating relationship. I think what follows that is the communication aspect, because if I don't communicate or if my brother doesn't communicate these boundaries with our parents, they'd never know. And like that good communication really helps like keep our family in a healthy dynamic. I want to second that because they say communication is key. Like communication really is key. Sometimes all you have to do is just talk it out. I have a little sign that goes on my door that's like, please do not disturb in a way. And it's just like, sometimes you just need your own personal space. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Sometimes you just need to like exit yourself from a situation, but then other times making sure you're conveying it. That's just, it's not anything about the situation. I just need some time to myself. That's what really matters. Yeah, and I mean, we already kind of went over this a little bit, but it's also just an aspect of like respecting your parents and understanding that they do know things sometimes. So like for me, I knew that I wanted to have more freedom to do things like drive my car around or stay up or stay out late with my car. And I understood that for my parents, part of that was going to be, oh, well, you could do that, but we're going to have you on Life 360 and we're going to know where you are. And I think that it's really important to be willing to give and take and just understand where your parents are coming from, too. Because, I mean, as a child, it can be really easy to default to, oh, they don't trust me and they don't trust me to make good choices and to tell them where I am. But I could also recognize that it's coming from a place of my parents really just wanting me to be safe and needing to understand what's going on with my life. Yeah. And I think this also, like ties to the people you spend your time with. Like personally, my parents love my friends. They trust them and they like, they really trust the people I'm around, which I like, I just appreciate that so much because they feel more comfortable letting me be out a little bit later or they appreciate when I'm gone longer 
because I'm with those friends because they trust them. And I think that trust is so important for me to be social and also for them to be like, oh, she actually has a life and she can do things like that's important to me. Well, as a parent, sorry, go ahead, Charlie. No, I was just going to second that. I definitely think that surrounding yourself with the right people and, you know, like we said, just giving each other, just giving grace for the situations that your parents are in and you're in is really important. Well, I can tell you as a parent, it does, you know, it does matter. And I have been wrong about some of my children's friends. I have thought some of the good ones were really, really good and found out later, oh no, those were the troublemakers. Those were the real troublemakers. So, uh, you know, sometimes parents do know best. Sometimes, you know, sometimes we can be fooled too. So there you go. I just really want to thank you all for sharing your personal stories today and sharing a laugh with us this afternoon as we've been talking about how your family stresses you out and what are some strategies you can do to cope with it and just normalizing this entire conversation around everybody's got a family and guess what? All of our families have a whole bunch of dynamics and they're people who love us very, very much. But uh, yeah, that means they can get on our nerves too. Thank you for joining me today on Talk To Be Well and sharing advice and stories on how to manage family stress. If you are looking for support with your mental health, check us out on worktobewell.org. That's work the number two, bewell.org. I want to thank Nicole, Charlie, and Georgia today for joining us. This has been a great episode of Talk To Be Well. I'm your host, Dr. Robin Henderson. Please be well.